0: Hey guys, before we get started with this episode of the watch, I just want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Mack Weldon. This is a company that believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. It is so easy to cop underwear, socks, shirts, hoodies, whatever. The comfy wave is here and there's nothing more comfortable than just shopping for this stuff online from Mac Weldon. They have a line of silver underwear, by the way, and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. So do away with deodorant. Like what's even the point? Uh, Uh, they want you to be comfortable so if you don't like your first pair you can keep it and they'll refund you no questions asked and not only does mac weldon's underwear socks and shirts look good they perform well too it's good for working out it's good for going out it's good for going out on dates if you have a date why not wear Mack Weldon on that date? Maybe you'll find love in a hopeless place. So just go to MackWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code WATCH. That's 20% off. Just use promo code WATCH. Also wanted to mention that TheRinger.com is now live. This has been a labor of love for us, and we're so excited to share it with you guys. We've got tons of great content up, including former Obama speechwriter John Favreau on the next dominoes to fall in the 2016 election, associate editor Danny Chow on how Steph Curry and the NBA shooting revolution has trickled down to the high school level. That is an incredible story about the Ball Brothers from Chino Hills. Tech editor Molly McHugh on Kim Kardashian's Kimoji app and the celebrity emoji trend, and much, much more. Go now, yes, right now, to the ringer.com.
1: I need sports to have to clear the room.
0: Stand up and walk now. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of The Watch Reup. Uh, Andy and I were not able to record it, sadly enough so Mallory and Jason were invited along Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion they came through to do a watch re-up Game of Thrones preview for episode seven and you know I know without having listened Mallory is just the biggest sweetheart and there's no way that she would try and come for the crown she better not miss check out this episode of the watch we'll be back on Monday with a regular episode take care
2: welcome to the watch I am Mallory Rubin, Deputy Editor of The Ringer, and I am joined by Jason Concepcion, our maester. Hello, maester.
1: It is wonderful
2: to be here with you. I just want to say a couple things. One, we're here to... Sort of quickly recap episode six of Game of Thrones, which was another doozy, and mostly to look ahead to episode seven to chat a bit about what we think might be coming, what we're most excited about, what questions are sort of looming over the story and dominating our thoughts. But also, we're here to take the fucking Iron Throne from Chris and Andy. They're not getting this thing back. <laughs> They're not getting this thing back. This is ours now. When you, you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you room, die. <laughs> It's right. You don't take vacations from the Iron Throne. Exactly. They died, so it's our turn. Um, okay, should we just should we just get right to it because we're 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 gonna kind of keep it snappy today, and there's a lot to discuss. Let's go. All right. First things first. I want to hear what you thought of the rapid fire visions that Bran had at the beginning of episode six.
1: Ah, uh, there's a lot to unpack in there. Um, the. I, my very first thought is you understand why the show has kind of avoided visions up until recently. And even when they have done them, it's been cursory with them because there's so much in there. Um, it's It was insane to see the Mad King for the first time. Yes. Uh, as that was amazing. Um, but there were a few things in there that I know that um, that we've been talking about since we've seen the episode that don't – that potentially – maybe from the future and not the past right um there is a um there is an image of wildfire in some kind of storage area exploding and there is the shadow of a dragon flying over king's landing Um, the wildfire explosion as far as i know unless it's a show retcon of of book fiction has never actually happened aries stockpiled wildfire with the intention of setting it off and leaving, uh, the usurper Robert Brathian with a pile of ashes. But Jamie killed the, um, head pyromancer before he was able to actually, uh, set the stuff off. Right. And that never happened. So that's potentially something that happens in the future. The dragon, obviously dragons existed, um, in the realm for over a century, but, um, King's Landing looks pretty built up, um, in that image right. uh, what do you th- i mean what do you think what do you, what are you thinking
2: about? ned in the tower of joy flashback the the neil the neil patrick harris doppelganger <laughs> shouting <laughs> where's my sister and then the quick very quick uh flash of A bloody hand On what appeared to be A bloody abdomen And That was interesting I think in general Whether it's the dragon The shot of the dragon In the sky And then the shot Of a dragon shadow Over what appears to be A built up king's landing Whether it was The shot of the mad king Shouting burn them all And then exploding wildfire Which of course we know Is wildfire Because it's green Not orange Or whether it was Ned at the tower of joy And then a bloody hand The way that Mm. these images Were juxtaposed Against each other Is obviously Deeply delightful Deliberate and intentional and obviously Not coincidental or accidental so I think that it's 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 you know Ripe for uh, theorizing and Speculating what those all mean uh-huh. I think that the cool thing is like What does this mean for Bran's powers like do you think He knows as he's sort Of downloading this data does He know what's in the future and what's in the past Does he uh, have the ability to, to Timestamp these things and to understand
1: well, What he's seeing It's, a, it's... An important question, we do know that um, the Three-Eyed Raven specifically referenced knowing things that were going to happen. Right. Um, as did Jojen a little bit. Right. Um, so I would assume that Bran also has these th- this ability, but d- it, like, does he know what to do with it? it is he able to discern um, past from present from future right. from possibility uh these are all things that are obviously very tantalizing right now we it, like the the level of brand's power is the biggest x factor in the show i mean with with um the potential to unravel almost everything that we know about the show really
2: so here's the good news, right? The good news is that Brand now has another helper. <laughs> After being yes. robbed of two of his his uh, key companions in devastating fashion in episode five, he gained his Uncle Benjamin back. And there is a lot to unpack here, both in terms of what we saw in this episode and what it might mean moving forward. So we're, we're going to get into a little bit of book, super nerdy territory in about two minutes here. But first... What did you make of Benjin's return? Did you anticipate this coming? How, as a book reader, are you sort of like parsing and compartmentalizing book cold hands with show Benjin? Because of course, well, me, a, right. just a very quick thirty-second synopsis for for people who are listening who maybe haven't been uh, spending the bulk of their lives reading these, <laughs> reading these books and then going on Reddit message boards like we have. Um, there's a character in the books called Cold Hands. This the figure who is essentially. Um, uh, not human, not alive, but not fully a white either. The w- when, when there are some chapters through Summer's perspective, he describes him as smelling of meat, smelling of death, smelling of cold. Right? He's essentially somewhere on the spectrum between being a person and being a white. He's he's animated and able to think and communicate and guide. But he's not really alive either. So, yeah. and he he comes in. He's basically uh, there's when, when Sam and Gilly kind of hand Bran and Bran's companions off after the Nightfort. They give him to Cold Hands, and Cold Hands is the the shepherd then who gets Bran to the Three Eyed Raven. And for a long, long time, the vast majo- I think this is a fair characterization, but but I know you personally have a different theory. The vast majority of the readership speculated that this was benjen stark that cold hands right. was benjen stark because he had disappeared on arranging beyond right. the wall now there is some stuff even in the canon that disputes that like the children saying that cold hands had been dead for a, a very long time for longer than Benjen had actually been dead but people a lot of people including yours truly believed that this was Benjen until copies of the edit
1: <laughs> yeah that now that is a crazy reveal
2: right <laughs> that, uh... so, do, do you want to you wanna run through what happened there?
1: Sure. I, just that uh, uh, Martin, <laughs> Martin's, uh, the, the actual manuscript copy, unedited manuscript f- of uh, Dance with Dragons from Martin is in the possession of Texas A&M, is it? And in it, his editor scribbles there in the margin uh, about cold hands, is this Benjamin. And Martin writes quite emphatically, no, <laughs> with an exclamation point. Right. So, a uh, book, Cold Hands is clearly not Benjen. And um, yet,
2: on the show, here we yes. have Benjen clearly occupying, even if they are not going to use the character name Cold Hands on the show, which maybe they will, but they did not in this episode. This is clearly the Cold Hands figure, and it is, as we saw Benjamin Stark Brand's uncle
1: yes pretty cool. Um, and it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense for them to do that and it was also yeah it was really cool and what other um just take a moment to like be amazed what like when has there ever been a show that can be like could introduce a character in the very first episode of a series and then make that guy disappear <laughs> for five and a half years and then all of a sudden bring him back in the sixth season like oh here he, he here he is. He was dead, actually. This like or half dead this whole time. It's um, really that's... wild, and it and it raises um, you know, it raises the prospect of other book characters that haven't shown up in the show yet, um, popping up. Um, so who do you think we could possibly see? So this is
2: one of the things that is so exciting, right? Like as you say, the fact that they were willing, yeah. To go there after all this time, I mean, there was like yeah. you know Benjamin was kind of always there lurking in the in the shadows, like when they uh as chris And Andy noted on after the Thrones, when they lure John down for his Caesar right. moment, it's by saying, Your uncle Benjamin, so right. you know there are little reminders, but it's been literally half a decade since we've seen this guy, and Crazy. there he is, it's insane, so. It got me so excited. And then not only the return of Benjamin, which leads you to say, okay, which show characters who have been gone for a while, like the Gendrys and God, my man Braun. Where's my <laughs> man Braun? The show characters who might return after all this time. Obviously, know we're gonna, we know we're gonna get a blackfish return, which is pretty exciting. But then there's the other ripple there, which is The cold hands element, even if they're not using that name, this is clearly the cold hands figure from the book. So which book characters who we've been waiting all this time to see and maybe had just started to accept that we would not see, might we see after all? And for me the main one that I just can't let go of and for for listeners spoiler warning here like Jason and I are going to keep it pretty vague and pretty general we're not going to get into specific plot points with these people but if you don't want to find out more about the roles these characters play just don't google them and or skip ahead (laughs) a couple minutes um for me it's young griff are we going to get griff or a Griff-like substitute, a Griff-like figure, a character or group of characters that fills that disruptor role? What do you think? Is there any chance that we
1: get Griff or a Griff-like figure? (sighs) It would have to happen soon. Right. Um, And I would say the main strike against it is that there's no hint that Varys has another plot going. So if they did it, it it would be Varys completely... uh, um, completely unattached to this, but the raw materials are there. Uh, Jorah has Grayscale as a character Mm -hmm. who is attached to young Griff, also does. Uh, Jorah is currently not with any particular group right now and is wandering around in Essos as um, young Griff was in the book. Um, We've seen mummers... Pop up in the Aria storyline, um, so there's these raw materials there for for a Griff um, appearance. It would be it would be pretty exciting if if he showed up. I mean, let's just just to nerd out for a second. It would yeah. be really awesome.
2: I would love it. I would be thrilled. What what about you? Is there anyone who you're saying okay? I'd sort of given up hope that we might see this literary figure on the show, and now um that that hope is rekindled.
1: Well, I, I think the main one and the one that pops up in like Facebook live questions all the time is Lady Stoneheart, who yes. is a character to be as vague as possible. <laughs> Careful. Lady, Lady Stoneheart is a character attached to uh, the Brotherhood without banners uh-huh. who were mentioned in this episode. So we're I, there's a good chance that we're going to see them again. Um, they've been running around the Riverlands, raiding Lannister supply lines, just causing trouble in general. Um, she's a character who, uh, has a lot of reason to seek revenge against the Lannisters <laughs> and, the, and their allies, the phrase, uh, we'll just leave it at that. And I think, I, I think they're like, I know that Andy disagrees with me here, but I yes. think it would be, I think it would be kind of cool to see
0: her. I, what would be in, I,
2: I would be into it man i mean andy again it's hard to explain his point without right. <laughs> getting into the, the details but his, his point was essentially that if they do it it i, I can't even say it never mind i can't right. even say it it's just it's, it's too risky uh i would be really into it i think that it's one of the single craziest coolest mind fuck moments in the books oh, and really while i have accepted the fact that it is not a part of the tv show i would certainly rejoice in song if uh if it was you mentioned the brotherhood you mentioned the phrase and that gets us to our next topic which is a lot of characters are converging on one of two places winterfell or river so i think it would be helpful for the listeners out there if we kind of Move the pieces around and reset the board here because it does seem like as the season moves into the second half, you know, we've got Danny, we've got Arya, we've got some characters who are in different places. But a lot of the main, fa- obviously, we've got, you know, Tommen and uh, Sir Pounce hanging out with the High Sparrow <laughs> in King's Landing. But a lot of the characters are moving toward either the Battle of Winterfell or what will presumably be the siege at Riverrun. So, Based on that, what what key characters should people be paying attention to and focusing on? And who are you most sort of excited to see come face-to-face, whether it's characters who had not met before and will be meeting for the first time in one of those uh, settings, or characters who might be reunited at one of those castles?
1: Uh, As as friend or (laughs) foe. Right. Jamie and Brienne, I think, is a a really tantalizing one, and one that is... Touched on in the books, Um, in the books, Jamie is sent to Riverrun to negotiate the surrender of the Blackfish, who is um, in the books, has just been sitting in the castle basically this whole time. Um, In the show, he's retaken the castle um, with whatever forces uh, the Tullys still have left. Um, Obviously, the phrase will want that back because that is the... um, seat of power in the Riverlands and that will give them um, at least the appearance of authority, of official authority. Um, So they're going to be heading there just as in the books. um, They laid siege to the castle. Um, So, yeah, in in the books, you get the hint that they're going to meet. It's never spelled out explicitly what happens next, but is kind of called away. Um, And so you wonder, like, what is now that Brienne is, is no longer acting as the shepherd to uh, a handless and beaten down Jamie Lannister, and then Jamie <laughs> Lannister is a person who has um, kind of rededicated himself um, in a big way to his family, to his immediate nuclear family, and has kind of been cast aside by his son. Um, and they're really at cross purposes at this point. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens should those two people get together.
2: And there was that, you know, alarming shot in the trailers for this season of yeah. Pod uh, basically being snatched with clear yeah. Tully branding in the background. So presumably someone's going to grab him at Riverrun. Could that be Jamie? Could that be, you know, just a brief misunderstanding with the Blackfish before they realize their allies? Uh, it's going to be an interesting gathering of those people, you know, obviously at, at, at Winterfell, the the prospect of Sansa exacting her revenge on Ramsay is, I think, truly one of the propelling forces behind this season. I mean, yeah. that is just... We shouldn't even go too deep on that because we're probably going to be spending... I have to imagine spending the bulk of, like, the episode 8, nine, ten 10 uh, <laughs> time talking about that. Um, but there is another Stark... Uh, there, There is another uh, Stark daughter who is still looking for revenge and still has some <laughs> battles to fight, and that is Arya, who pulled needle out of those stones like a fucking baller and yeah. is gonna you called her aria born which i just loved and it was amazing and the waif is after her and they're gonna have a showdown so who wins and what does it mean moving forward for for aria's plot line. i mean I, I know that we are on the same page we both cannot wait for aria to get back to westeros and it seems like lady crane and the mummers troop is just the natural vessel to right. port aria back across the narrow sea you know go join up take your acting class get over there and give us some fray pies that's that's what i'm all about <laughs> at this point that's that's just what i want at this point
1: um, well, Arya better win the Waif battle. I think um what's wonderful about it is, um, it just it just shows you the strength of Arya's hatred for um, the people that have wronged her and her family, and the strength of her identity. Um, you know, we've spent the last two seasons wondering, how much of herself is Aria willing to lose in order to become like this master killer, this faceless killer. But here's, um, here's this other group of people, the mummers who afford her, um, this environment where she can be other people, she can, and she can continue to learn to be other people. And as you said, you know, maybe come back home and maybe, uh, be a person stalking around, certain castles making people disappear um <laughs> i'm super excited for that to happen and you know maybe we even get a nymeria aria reunion if that does happen oh my god
2: jason <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm still in a, a, a fragile delicate emotional state i i i honestly can hardly think of Anything else, not only in this show, but in life that would make me happier than Arya and and Nymeria. I'm so worried about Ghost at this point, the way the direwolves are dropping. And I need Nymeria back back in Arya's life. I need the direwolves to keep going strong. Because you know who's going strong? The dragons. Drogon is a fucking swole. (laughs) He's huge. Gigantic. He's back with Danny. What does it mean what, what how did you read that scene did you read that as like she saw some some sand in the distance and, and could sense that he was there or did she summon him has her has her ability has her control over the dragons taken that next step has she leveled
1: up well she's clearly leveled up right uh, in the great uh, dragon rider rpg that is her life <laughs> um i kind of uh, the, the way i interpreted that as she was looking into the distance and saw a place not only felt him, but maybe saw a place that looked like a natural kind of like dragon's lair. There's like a notch in the mountain, like far away. Um, And I mean, clearly she can, she can summon him because she did. She can fly on his back, not by half accident this time, which she did. And she can be like, hey, land right here in front of my troops because I'm telling you to. So um, that is immensely exciting because it means... There's going to be no kind of drawn out like well how do I do this do I have to learn like how much Valerian do I have to learn how do I train this There's some kind of innate connection that exists that has grown stronger even though she has not been in the presence of Drogon, um, and it just uh, leaves us to wonder who is going to fly the other two dragons really uh, What did you think about that
2: I, I I had a similar reading and it was it was pretty exciting to think that despite Drogon and Danny being apart physically mentally right. emotionally for all that time their bond seems to have actually just gotten stronger i i really like that in terms of what it what it what it points to for her storyline but also for the role of magical creatures in this story which as you <laughs> right. know is very important to me w- one of the things I'm worried about though is how that extends to Rhaegal and Viseron, because she locked them up and yep. abandoned them that's no way for a mother to treat her her children so uh you know that Tyrion freed them earlier this season but Danny doesn't know that she hasn't interacted with them and I'm wondering what role Drogon will play actually in, in terms of being peacemaker there? But I'm really curious to see how they receive her because she's going to have a lot of shit to deal with when she gets back there. I mean, right. she's gonna she's gonna find out about the terms that Tyrion uh, a- a- agreed to with the, her enemies. Essentially, you know, right? What have we heard on the show time and time again? You only make peace with your enemies, but right. with her enemies, nonetheless, and she's also going to have to deal with the flame of truth kinvara which is an an entirely new wrinkle and you know she doesn't have jorah because he's off looking looking for the 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 neosporin that's going to cure his grayscale so it's a lot of it's a lot of moving parts for somebody who is always taking a step forward and a step back at the same time
1: well it'll be interesting to see how um how Danny responds to not just being a queen, which he's quite comfortable doing and, and, and being a powerful ruler and military leader, but being a person who's essentially worshipped as a god right. and as a vessel of Rolore um, for freeing all these slaves and being this figure that um, the followers of Rolore really see as if not the prince that was promised or Az or high, something very very close to that a vessel of fire and of light in the universe and she's not that's not something that she's had to deal with before where there's like a legitimate religion is looking to her to lead them to the next level that's gonna be interesting
2: i agree i do have one question for you that is more important than any of this and i want you to take it seriously sure yes Are we gonna see zombie hoder because i'm not sure i can handle that Uh,
1: i think you know i do think i think we're gonna see zombie hoder i think we're not gonna (laughs) see zombie summer because of the grenade as as that's the hope um but i mean it just feels like uh, like at some point in the next two seasons or the end of this season if you glimpse this hulking formerly kind figure in the horde of ice zombies i think that would be really an emotionally devastating moment
2: oh my god i'm i'm bracing for it but it's going to be it's going to be hard i do think that there's there's something else that uh you know in all seriousness that you can help the the listeners with and that is maybe understanding a bit better benjin slash cold hands the way his magic works you know we got right. we essentially got the origin story spelled out on the show this episode which is dragonglass through the heart right so he is connect he is of the same magic he is connected to the children in that way but there are a couple lines in this episode that sort of hinted him having a connection to the three-eyed raven right he's basically like brand right you, you saw you know
1: how does right. he
2: know what brand knows maybe maybe can we explain that to people
1: uh, well, in the books, Cold Hands and the Three Eyed Raven are clearly working together right. to help Shepherd Brand towards the tree. This is a journey that's been reversed um, on the show, and he says certain things about the importance of Green Sears um, that lead you to believe that they work closely together. And I think that's the case here. Uh, I think the only question is how how do they communicate? You know, how do they is was the Three Eyed Raven able to appear to cold hands in his mind in the same way he was able to do so with bran is that how he showed him the history of how um the white walkers were created um we don't know but clearly um because his his existence continued existence as a non-white um but as, as with a body that is essentially dead um his continued existence um is because of this magic. Right. I think there's obviously a connection with um, whatever kind of powers are at the source of green seeing and the old gods. Um, what that means, I mean, we can only speculate at this point, but it's pretty tantalizing.
2: And we know that no matter what, he knows how to turn a dead rabbit
1: upside down and drain it of all of its blood. <laughs> <laughs> that was super gnarly. Also, like, he had... Uh, had time at some point to fashion this crazy torch ball uh, <laughs>
2: that was device. Awesome. That was great. <laughs> that was really great. If you yeah. could pick one weapon from Ooh. this universe, oh my gosh. to wield in your personal life, what what would you choose? It's a and we we got introduced to a couple cool new ones because we also we finally had our heartspan moment in episode yeah. 6.
1: And by the way, I like come on, don't steal the family <laughs> sword because now, if you just if you want to run away, fine. But man, Randall is gonna be looking for you, bro. A bit. Okay, so uh, I would have to say Dawn Valerian Steel is awesome, and there's only a handful of them. But a handful is more than one, and Dawn is one of a kind, uh, fashioned from a meteor some ten thousand years ago or so. At uh, the, uh, the cool, milky white blade, um, that would have to be my answer. What about you?
2: I'm gonna be a little bit predictable here and, and say Longclaw because, I, you know, John is my favorite character. Yep. Other than Ghost and Long- <laughs> Longclaw <laughs> is John's sword with Ghost's face as the pommel. It's just perfect. It is Valerian steel sword. It is Valyrian steel sword. We know it can kill White Walkers. That's dope. I like the fact that it's a bastard sword. That mid-range length. Yeah, it's, yep. it's great. I like that. I mean, if I if I wanted to. To be really cool, I'd say like Robert's Warhammer or something, but I don't know. I'm not sure I have the shoulder strength to
1: no, <laughs> to not, swing that it.
2: thing. To be honest, what uh, well, because we did mention Heartsbane just very quickly. Let, let's give Sam and, and Gilly a little bit of time. What is next for for those two, or really those three? Because they got little little Sam
1: in Tow. I just had a, uh, I just had a thought. Hit me. And I don't know. So Sam has to go to Old Town to continue his uh, maester training. Right. Um, or to start his master training, we should say. Uh, he's going to go there. Gilly is not allowed in the Citadel. Women are not allowed to be mm-hmm. there. But in the books, it seems like there is at least one woman at the Citadel. But she, and obviously she attends under an assumed guise. So I wonder, right. do you think that that could be in Gilly's future? Some uh, A little uh, cross-dressing to... <laughs> To be able to attend the Citadel.
2: I, that's an interesting idea. I, I like that. What would they do with little Sam though? Where would he go for daycare? Oh
1: man, see that—that—that is—that is the issue. Yeah, fucking um, little Sam. We're that,
2: always God, just damn. getting
1: in the way. Selfish,
2: <laughs> selfish bastard. um All right, man. Anything else that you are really looking forward to in episode seven? Any questions that are that are hanging over you?
1: Oh. I mean, b- besides the, uh, are we going to see more of Bran's powers? Or are we going to see any more flashbacks? Or are we going to go back to the Tower of Joy and really see what happens? Right. Um, well, let's be just uh, You know what? I'm going to be. I'm not going to go for deep cuts. I'm going to be mainstream. I want to know. I want to see if we go back to the Tower of Joy and, and really see it. Now that Bran is exploring his powers and exploring the things that have happened in the past, I'm mean, going to. I that's what I want to see.
2: I'm with you. That's pretty much number one on my list. It's just. Yeah. It's so hard not to want. <laughs> just to, yeah. to spend time there and to get that that clarity and closure definitively and to so many other things click into place once we have that. So yeah. it's it's one of the the coolest most enticing most intriguing things. I I have to say it is a true testament to the story both the show and the books and just the fandom and the community that something that this many people are so sure they know and are yeah. so sure they have figured out is still this fun and exciting of a mystery that's amazing that is it really awesome. is good stuff
1: and you know I, I remember when I was um when I first I had held off on mentioning it in a column and I kind of hinted at it when the show started to talk about when Oberyn started to talk about Rhaegar and and the abduction alleged um uh, and I, I was just amazed at how many people were like wait what <sighs> uh who hadn't who didn't even see it coming just pure show watchers who didn't even see that um that that shoe dropping in a far off in the distances. That's been really fun.
2: I'm with you. Okay, man, this has been an honor and a privilege. You are oh, please, the master of our hearts and we stop. would be lost without you. Let's, uh, you know, I'm just going to say, let's do this again next week because again, the iron throne is ours by right. And, uh, <laughs> and when Chris and Andy come back, they're going to meet the same fate as Renly. <laughs>
1: if they want it,
2: then you're going to have to fight for it. Exactly. You don't have to fight. But if you do, better win. win. (laughs) Bye, guys. Peace. Something about Baranski.